morning, so get ready for that. Hey. Good morning. This is going to be super short. <laughs> Jesus is for you. He loves you. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about the heat. I'm just going to say next week will be cooler. I'm saying that in faith. I really believe it. Um, I'm glad you're here with us. We're, we're in a series for the summer called By Faith where we're looking through Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 11 gives us this rich history of people that had, had faith and they're recognized for their faith. And today we're going to be in Hebrews 11.20. That's going to be our anchoring verse. But before we get started, let's pray. Father, you're good. We thank you. We thank you for your word, which is alive and applicable to our lives today. We thank you for the incredible sacrifice that is your son, Jesus, and for how it is through his life, death, and resurrection that your word takes its proper perspective in our lives. Holy Spirit, we recognize that you are here, and we ask that you would speak to us. Bring us comfort or conviction where it's needed. And we ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. All right, Hebrews 20. And, and we're going to do, we're going to look at 20. And then basically 20 and 21. I think I said the wrong verse. We're going to be in verse 21, but I'm going to read 20 anyways. It says, by faith, Isaac also blessed Jacob and Esau concerning their future. So we're beginning to see this lineage of people. We're just like sort of going down from mother and father to fathers and sons and so on and so forth. And we get to verse 21 and we say, By faith, J Jacob blessed each of Joseph's sons as he was dying and bowed in worship over the head of his staff. Uh, I love the fact that in, in Hebrews 11 it says by faith and we, and we look at it and, and then it forces us in some ways to go back to the scriptures and read these stories. Because it's such a small sentence. By faith, he blessed. Okay, great, but what's the background and the story of this? And I, I was fascinated, actually, as I was studying this week and looking at this, to remember, because there's so many of these stories, especially as we look through, like, Genesis, and, and there's so many names and things, that we forget the stories, I remember them, but I forget some of the details. I, I have a Sunday school remembrance of them, like a flannel graph. Do you remember those things? Like you, maybe, maybe I'm aging myself or telling you what kind of church I grew up in. But the flannel graph, where it's like, okay, there's the picture. And, then, and the reality is, like so much of the scripture, we view it through the lens I do sometimes as my childhood understanding of it. But I begin to look at this a little bit deeper, and, and we're going to be in Genesis 48, and basically 8 through 22, and I'm going to read that, and then we're going to pick it apart a little bit to see why Jacob's name shows up on this list of people that are recognized for their faith. In verse 48, or in verse 1 of chapter 48, it says, Joseph was told, your father is getting weaker, and he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim with him. When Jacob was informed, your son Joseph is here now, he pulled himself together and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me in Luz in the land of Canaan. He blessed me and he said to me, I am about to give you many children. 
to increase your numbers and to make you a large group of peoples. I will give this land to your descendants, following you as you endure possession, as, you, as, you're, as an enduring possession. Now your two sons born to you in the land of Egypt before I arrived in Egypt are my own. Ephraim and Manasseh are just like Reuben and Simeon to me, or Simon. Your, your family who is born to you after them are yours. But their inheritance will be determined under their brothers' names. When I come back from Padanarama, or Aram, Rachel died to my sorrow on the road in the land of Canaan, with, with some distance yet to go. So I buried her there. We begin to see a heart of sorrow in Jacob, in a moment of promise and blessing. If we look at the story of Jacob a little bit, we're going to stop there for a second and just look at this. Jacob had a ton of sons. Joseph was special. At least he thought he was special. He was that kid. He was the kid that was like, hey guys, I just want you to know I'm special. There's always one in the family. I remember we, we had these real close group of friends and, and the whole family was sort of low-key and, and there was this one, the one son was just everywhere. And we were, at, we were in England, we were living in England and we did a Thanksgiving for everybody and we we're all going around and sort of saying, what are we thankful for? That's like our family tradition and everybody's very serious and we get to this English family and they're, they're picking up the cues we are laying down and they're doing it seriously. And then this kid gets up, it's his turn, and everybody did it sitting down. And he stands up and he goes, showbiz. <laughs> it's like, all right, dude, <laughs> great. Joseph was um, constantly having these dreams that put him in a position, basically, of authority or respect over his other brothers and even his father. But he had a kindred relationship with his father in such a way that his father gave him this multicolored coat that was special and different than the rest. There was this unique bond and relationship and the reality is God's hand was all over Joseph. And it was evident to Joseph and it was evident to others. And the brothers were so jealous, and, and you can look at this, if you go back, really, let me just tell you where you can start in Genesis. If you go back to chapter, I'm going to find it right here, yeah, right around chapter 37, you can start to look at that, all the way up through 48. His brothers are so jealous that they devise a plan to kill him, and we know the story. And they throw him into a pit because Reuben, one of the brothers, says, hey, let's not kill him. Like, like, let's just throw him in the pit because like, I don't want blood on my hands and this whole deal. And Reuben goes away and the brothers see a caravan and they decide, well, well, why don't we just sell him? Like, we'll make some money, we'll get rid of this like, showbiz kid and we'll move, off, we'll move on with life. And so they sell him into slavery. And they take his multicolored coat and they cut it up and they put goat's blood on it and they tell this father, your son has died. And his father is devastated. So we look at the story and we see this at the end of his life, 
that Jacob is here and he's blessing the sons of Joseph and we forget how he got there. He got there through unbelievable pain and loss and suffering. This is not a story of Jacob thinking that there was hope to see his son again. This is a story of a desperate loss of a son. This story is the surprising divine grace of a generous living God. And he looks at Joseph's sons as we see here and he blesses them. In verse 3 he talks about God Almighty. He talks about the blessings that have come from God. But more than that, he talks about the promises God has given him. And then he looks at his sons, the sons of Joseph, and he says, My promises are your promises. I'm giving you an inheritance as my children. Not as grandchildren, but I'm giving you a portion that does not necessarily belong to you. It's a remarkable moment. It's a moment that's unexpected after all of the sorrow and pain and loss. It was in reality a divine gift. He says, God blessed me and now I want to pass that blessing on to your sons. He blessed them by faith with a future blessing that was connected to the promises of the past. He adopts them. The faith that I see in Jacob is a faith that he extends to the children of Joseph and he says, your future is deeply connected to my past. Your future hope is intrinsically woven into the promises that God has made to me. He knows that God is good, even, be, even though for years he lived not seeing the fulfillment of it. In verse 11, it says that he says to Joseph, Jacob does, I, I don't expect, I didn't expect that I would see your face, but now God has shown me your children also. Think about the weight of that moment. Now, he had seen them before, but he's coming to the end of his life. This is where the patriarch begins to bless his children. This is what happens. He, the patriarch gathers. We've seen this as we've studied through this, these, these stories of faith. The patriarch comes, and as he's dying, he gathers his children, and he blesses them. I've had one moment in my life like that with my grandfather. Some of you know and I've talked about my grandfather. My grandfather, um, I, I desperately love him. Desperately. And about three years ago he passed away and I took my son with me, David, and we flew up to be at the hospital to see if we could make it before he died. And he, he's there, and all my siblings are there, and my father's there, and he gathers us around the bed. 
Now you gotta understand, my grandfather lived a life that, where he criticized those of faith for the majority of his life. He criticized my father when he be, became a follower of Jesus. He criticized my father because he was a pastor. And then in his last years, he began to be overwhelmed by the love of God. To a point where he would call my father in the middle of like nothing and just tell him, Mike, Jesus loves us. You've got to tell people. And my dad's like, that's what I've been doing forever. <laughs> but he gathered us. And he didn't have a patriarchal like, model to bless us. But he did. Each of us. This is a moment that is divinely gracious to Jacob. It's a moment that is healing for Joseph. Joseph who was sold into slavery. Joseph who lived a life isolated from relationship and community. Who lived alone and was forced at a young age to figure out a life that he did not choose and he did not understand. In verse 16, he blesses them and he says, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, may the God who was my shepherd from the beginning until this day, may the divine messenger who protected me from all harm bless the young men. Through them, may my, may, my, may my name be kept alive and the names of my father, Abraham and Isaac. May they grow into a great multitude throughout the land. His plea, his prayer, Jacob's plea and prayer for his grandchildren who are now adopted and as if they are sons is this. You have Egyptian origins, but you are God's children. You have never known your homeland, but you are his children. You bear my name. May you not lose sight of your heritage as sons of Israel, whose ancestors were recipients of God's promise. May you not forget who you are. Regardless of where you are. <clears throat> Jacob is giving to his grandsons now adopted a name, a connection to deep roots, to deep promises. And then it culminates in verse 17 and 19. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky. When Joseph saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was upset. Why? Let's see. And he grasped his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Now remember, at this point, I didn't tell you, but Jacob is all but blind. 
And Joseph sees that the hand, the right hand, which is the dominant hand in the, in the case of blessing, is being put on the second born son. This is not protocol. The firstborn gets the big blessing and the secondborn gets the secondary blessing. Because he had said to them, he said, first of all, you are going to be the one that shines. The other one is going to get a great blessing too. But you're going to be the, 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 the first, the biggest blessing. You're going to be the leader. And he said it to the secondborn. And Joseph says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got that wrong. And his father said to him, I know, my son, I know. He, the second, will become a, a people too. Manasseh will become a people too. But the younger brother will be greater than he will. And his descendants will become many nations. Israel blessed them that day, saying, Through you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, May God, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So Israel put Ephraim before Manasseh. And then Israel or Jacob said to Joseph, I am about to die. God will be with you and return you to the land of your fathers. Let me just talk about this a little bit. Joseph sees an injustice. You blessed my secondborn over my firstborn. And Jacob says, no, there's not a mistake because it's not my decision, it's God's. And he's got history with this, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Isn't he the second born? Doesn't he have some history with, it's not my decision. I know that this is protocol. I know this is how things work. I know that this is how history has played itself out for years and years. But Jacob, by faith, says, I trust what God has spoken to me. I have not made a mistake. Jacob courageously listens to the voice of God even though his son is bothered by it. I see the difficulty of that decision. When we say by faith, we often think that it's by faith to do things that become super easy. And sometimes by faith is to do something that's super difficult. I love what the vineyard says. So the vineyard spells faith, R-I-S-K. Right? Which means two things. Number one, we can't spell. <laughs> Which Danya told me is a dad joke and I said, I'm a dad. We're good. <laughs> it also means that we can take from this permission to hear the voice of God and take a risk. Jacob is unmoved by this breach in protocol because it is God's, not his own decision, as it was with him and Ishmael. He's unmoved. There's two things I want us to take away today. 
One is this, Jacob's ability to be mentioned in Hebrews 11 isn't just because he spoke these blessings. His ability to be mentioned in Hebrews 11 is because Joseph was faithful. Our steps of faith are never disconnected from the kingdom of God as a whole. We never get to a place to take a risk, to hear God and to obey alone. Never. Our stories are unavoidably connected. Jacob is able to take a risk and bless the sons of Joseph because Joseph was faithful to God in captivity. Because Joseph took risks. Read through the story. See what Joseph did. See how jo Joseph followed the will of God in his life even when it cost him. Even when there was nobody around him who knew his story or would, or would tell on him to his, his parents. He was faithful. He took the risk of faith to say, God, I believe what you say is true and I will do what you've asked me to do in the midst of captivity. In the, midst of, in the middle of a prison, I'll do it. Jacob is given the opportunity to take a risk of faith because of the faithfulness of his son. Our stories are uniquely connected. And what does that mean? It means we must encourage one another. It means that there are times when I am making decisions. I am in my own life and the way I live my life and the way I, I approach my faith with God, my connection with God, I live it out in a way that somebody else will benefit from. I love that Jacob is able to take this last risk because of the faithfulness of his son. Our stories are all intertwined because in the end, they are all his story. We do not arrive alone. We do not risk alone. We may feel alone but we are not. We are part of a symphony of people saying yes to faith. Yes to risk. Yes to the promises of yesterday. Yes to the hope of tomorrow. A symphony of people saying yes. And the last thing is this. Jacob's prayers and Jacob's blessings that he gave pointed towards a hope for a future. But it was always, always significantly rooted in the promises of yesterday. 
It was not the hope of a future disconnected from yesterday. It was rooted in the promises of yesterday. I desire that our prayers, our, our interaction with God are pointed towards hope, but are deeply rooted in the promises of yesterday. May we not forget his faithfulness. It is so easy in a moment where we need hope for tomorrow that we forget his faithfulness yesterday, that we forget the promises that he's made and that he's completed in our lives. We forget it. How easy would it have been for Jacob to forget the promises of God as he suffered the loss of his son? All of our prayers should be pointed towards the hope of tomorrow and deeply, profoundly rooted in the promises of yesterday. And our blessings should do the same. The way we bless others, for me, my children and those around me, for you, whoever happens to be in your sphere, may we bless them with a hope for tomorrow but also remind them of the promises and faithfulness of God from yesterday. By faith, Jacob blessed his two grandchildren and he called them sons. He gave them identity. He connected them to roots they didn't even know they had. He reminded them of the promises that God had given him and he showed him how he faithfully fulfilled them. And he said, now your future is even brighter. But you don't start from zero. You get all that God has given me. All the promises he gave to me are yours. And the ones to come are greater than the ones I have seen because that's how he works. Let's worship. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. And all my days have been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, Till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. Oh, I've lived in the goodness of God. Yeah. 
I know I skipped around a bit. I didn't read it the whole way through. It's like super hot and my mouth went dry. <laughs> but take some time this week and read through that section of Genesis. Look at the story of Jacob. Look at the story of Joseph. Look at the faithfulness of Joseph to take a risk in difficult places that allowed his father to take a risk in blessing his children and bring them into an inheritance and a name. As we gathered to pray this morning, we felt like God was speaking some specific things. If, if you're here and you need prayer, we're going to be down here. And we'd love for you in a moment to come and pray with us for anything. If you're here and you've never taken the risk to say yes to following Jesus, to giving him the chance, to walking with him, we'd love to pray with you. But here's some specific things as well. Joy. If you need joy, we'd love to pray with you. A refreshing of the spirit. There's a sense of that somebody might be, there's constrainment or oppression, hopelessness, we'd love to pray with you. There's an invitation also to ask this, this Holy Spirit to come in your life and be expectant that he will. I know we ask him, but the second part I think is the key, be expectant that he'll show up. Arch problems in the feet, breathing problems and lower back pain. 
our futures and our hope are unavoidably connected to the promises of yesterday. Our stories of risk are not isolated. They are interconnected in ways that you can never imagine. Because at the end, all of our stories are his story. His story that he's been writing since the beginning of time. That he's writing in the lives of every person in this room, whether you know it or not. It is a story of his kingdom. It's a story of peace and of life. It's a story of hope and joy. If you find yourself at a place where you need to take a risk, take a risk. If you need encouragement, find somebody that will push you towards it. And as you do that this week, this is our prayer. May the living God, creator of all the heavens and the earth, may he richly bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he smile on you and fill you with his peace. You have been and continue to be extravagantly loved by our Father. Go do the same. The prayer team can come down and you guys can come down for prayer as well.